You're listening to The Esoterics Podcast. Welcome back to the Esoterics Podcast. Hello, lovely. How are you today? I'm wonderful. How are you? Happy Monday. Good. Yeah, it is a Monday too. It really is. Um, but it doesn't feel like a Monday. Do Mondays ever feel like Mondays to you? They don't, when I'm, especially being self-employed, they don't. Not when we record. No, <laughs> you know, right? Because we're looking forward to it. Yeah, no, not when we record. If we don't, then I'm, then maybe sometimes i don't know yeah. i don't really have that attitude about it though i know right like what does even a bad monday feel like it doesn't feel like any other bad day to me and i don't because i don't work in the corporate world anymore i don't dread going into the office on a monday so yeah i feel like when you not when you're not happy with what you get to do that day then that's when you're kind of so it sucks about monday um my kids are going back to school, though, and they passed a law here in California. We passed the law because I know I voted for this, but I didn't read the fine print. So they uh-huh. changed the law so that high schoolers start later because, like, research shows that they do better with a later start, which makes sense, right? So mm-hmm, right? problem was, or problem is, is that now the elementary school kids start earlier. Like... Oh. Where they used to, the elementary school used to start at 8.30. Now they start at 7.40. I'm like, well, great. Like, and <laughs> like. Ooh, that, which means you have to be up earlier yeah. and to drop off. Yeah. Which, yeah. which means the kids, you know, the kids, whatever, they'll adjust. But it's like, well, the fucking parents take the brunt of it regardless. So, you know, fuck it. A lot of people are complaining um, all over the socials because school is starting like mid-August, early August, mid-August. And it's like, what the hell? We had no summer. Mm -hmm. You know, August is the month for family vacations. I don't understand this. Why does the school get to dictate this? I I don't know. I mean, I guess because they get out earlier. Because Mike and I were just talking about this last night. Because I know I when I was in high school, we used to start in September. We go back mm-hmm. to school like the first week of September after Labor Day. Yep. Mm-hmm. But we also got out in June. Like I, my yep. high school graduation was like June seventeenth or somewhere around there. So yep. I, I yep. guess that's all it is. Is they get out they because our kids get out in May, and so then yeah that's why they go back in August. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I, I, it's weird, right? I'm glad I don't have kids because for many reasons, but this being one of them. You know, back to see now you have to buy all that. Spend all that money on back to school bullshit too, new clothes and books and ugh, all that. Stuff oh yeah, too. don't yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah. We're we're already doing that, and then my well, Sophia is the one that the teenager is the one that's always oh let's go back to school shopping, and she's just right. like there's this meme that says that having a daughter is like having a little broke mm-hmm. best friend. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's 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 her, like a hundred percent. Why can't I have these hundred dollar jeans? Because you ain't paid for them. She just thinks I'm just made of money. She's just like, oh, buy me this and buy me that, and I need this right. and I need that. So, you know what I was noticing the other day? I was looking at the Franco Abode, um, or maybe it was I don't know what it, it was. Your couple's uh-huh. post? Uh-huh. I'm not sure what it was, but I was looking at uh-huh. one of your posts, and I noticed 
like when you first see Sophia, I'm like, oh my God, she's a little mini you. She looks just like you. But when you see her with Mike, you mm. realize how much she looks like him. Yeah, and she it's has a lot just of this cool thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So that was really cool. You know, and yeah. Santino, he just a spitting image of Mike anyway. So he just, yeah, Mike just used me to clone himself on that one. Right. <laughs> It's like, I want to say mini-me. Yeah. You got him. You got him. You got you, actually. Uh, So, anything new with you? What's going on? You know, last week I made all the announcements about Psychic Sister and readings. I just don't feel like doing that today. You guys, book a reading with me. Oh, but I will talk about Wednesdays. Now um, I've started Wednesday readings. If you go on my website, um, you can book Wednesday, 30 minute readings only on Wednesday. You can't book 30 minute readings any other time, uh, but just on Wednesdays and it's like 55 bucks. So it's, you know, very inexpensive, very affordable, accessible to everybody. Um, it's a way to get people uh, in ability to read with me, you know, see if you want to book that more expensive Akashic um, reading. Um, anyway, so I thought that would be fun. I haven't had anybody book yet, but it is what it is, right? You because if nobody books, it. it just frees up my Wednesdays. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's that. Um, but other than that, no, I don't have any other announcements. Other than yesterday I went to, I spent the day in the river mm-hmm. and I got burned, which I never, the only time oh. I've ever gotten burned is in the Caribbean. Um, mm-hmm. Every time I go to the Caribbean, I get burned. But yesterday yeah. I got burned and my shoulder is all red and Oh. It's all tender, and I'm like, "What? What is this? These white people must deal with this. Oh, this is not a good thing, right?" So I, I'm sorry you have to deal with burns, white people. Put some aloe vera on it. Yeah, I don't have any, but um, um, I did put um, CBD. Oil. I'll put CBD oh, oil on everything. On everything. <laughs> have itches, burns, um, discomfort. Like got some CBD oil for that. Oh my, I had this awful rash on my forearms the other day from like doing gardening and stuff. I swore that I had like scabies or something because I woke <laughs> up in the middle of the night and I was just scratching and, and, and it was just so, so itchy. And so I looked up all these remedies and, and all this and all, everything went back to tea tree oil. It was just put tea tree oil, tea tree this, tea tree that. Oh, tea tree's good. So I did. I put, um, I bought a tea tree oil body wash, a toner, and and then I have the oil too. So I did all three, and it was gone. It was gone in a day. Oh, nice tea tree, tea tree. Yep. Uh, My friend uh, Kathleen, who owns Soulful Earth Herbals in Lansing, you know Kathleen, Mm -hmm. you've purchased Mm -hmm. from her. Um, She has the best tea tree products. I love them, and she actually like taught me how good it is. It helped me with some dry dry scalp, um, like uh-huh. some, uh, some other really good things. So, yeah, tea tree's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Do you have announcements? Uh, no, no announcements. I'm no? just I'm starting to get back into the groove of of doing more research and stuff for episodes. So yeah, um, I've got some cool stuff cooking. So yeah, uh, no, that's it. Uh, I'm working on Yay, that. Yay, good. So you have some good stuff that you're going to be sharing with us. Yes. Um, yes. I'm struggling a little bit, right? Like there is structure and discipline required to do a new episode every other week because the week mm-hmm. that that you're not presenting, you have to mm-hmm. do your research, right? Yeah. And then the week that you are presenting, you, I'm, I'm so I'm struggling, but I'll have it ready <laughs> next week's episode. I don't even know what I'm doing. It'll come to you. Yeah. It'll come. Yay! Okay, so what are we talking about this week? Okay, so today. 
I wanted to talk about an interesting story regarding reincarnation. My favorite topic. My favorite yeah. topic. Yeah, and, and me too. And I love talking about reincarnation. Like, I really hate small talk. Like, when you meet strangers, like this weekend we went to a baby shower. And I realized, like, I don't like, you know, I don't like that small talk, like talking about like how hot it is or what you oh, do for a living boring. or whatever. Like, it's fine. Like, I'll get to know a person, right? It's uh, sometimes some people's jobs are interesting or whatever. But every once in a while, you'll get into a conversation with someone like on like a topic like this about reincarnation. And this is where like I just like light up. Like, just, <laughs> yeah, let's talk about this. Let's let's hear about it. Um, oh, soul human. Let's, let's, let's sit down. <laughs> yeah. OK, so this story was actually brought to my attention by like a one minute TikTok. And when I first heard about it, I was like, OK, I think this would make a really good podcast episode. But is there enough content behind, you know, this story? And absolutely there is. So this is the story of Dorothy Eady, also known as Omseti. So long story short, she is a woman, a girl born in England, and she would go on because of uh, recalling a past life. She would go on to become an Egyptian scholar. Okay. Yeah, it's really cool. Okay. So Dorothy Louise Eady, she was born on January 16th, 1904 in a suburb of London. Her dad was a master tailor and he eventually would become a cinema entrepreneur. But when she was three years old, so she was her parents' only child. And when she was three years old, she fell down a set of stairs and then she was found unconscious. And so oh. they called, yeah, they called the doctor and he checked her vitals, which checking vitals at the time was kind of sketchy. It was literally like putting up a feather under someone's nose or, you know, and or a mirror to see if there was air like that. <laughs> that was breathing. So she was not breathing and the doctor declared her dead. Oh. And, and yeah, and her, because she was her parents only child her mother was just distraught Aww. and so then you know they're trying to tend to the mother and then um the doctor says i'll be back in an i'll be back in an hour to get her ready to to get the body ready um start washing her and getting ready for burial and so the doctor comes back in an hour and he they find her in her room just playing like alive and playing and no injuries mm-hmm. so after that, shortly after after the accident, she began to have recurring dreams. But she also um, started uh, talking with an undistinguishable foreign accent, um, which they could just they could not explain. Um, and so, and this is actually a, a thing called foreign accent syndrome that I guess people have people do i love how they have to give it a name like that foreign accent syndrome no it's pe- it's freaking reincarnation past life recall yeah Damn scholars okay anyway <laughs> <laughs> so she began to have recurring dreams when in which she saw a huge building with columns and a garden filled with fruits and flowers and then her mother would find her crying all the time saying i want to go home Uh, And then when her mother would ask her, like, where is home? And she would describe this place, but she didn't know, like, where it was or anything else about it. She just knew what it looked like. So then she started kind of uh, 
I thought this was funny. So in her Sunday school, um, the teacher requested that her parents keep her away from class because she compared Christianity with heathen ancient Egyptian religion. She actually called their Christianity essentially like a really watered down version of of ancient Egypt. Um, nice. So she just yeah. So she she just looked down on it. She said that it was um, uh, she would point out the inconsistencies of of Christ Christianity. And yeah, because she compared it. And so they said, don't bring her back. <laughs> yeah, don't bring her back. Yeah. So she like, bitch, I'm out anyway. <laughs> and then she got kicked out of school. Uh, because, <laughs> I like her. I like yeah. her already. <laughs> because she refused to sing a hymn in which it said um, that it asked God to, sm to smite the swart Egyptians. And she's like, no, I'm not Ooh. saying that. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, so they kicked her out. And then later on in her life, um, she was expelled from a Catholic church because mm -hmm. she liked going there because she uh, she really liked the incense, the actual like ritual. She liked the, the she liked the incense ritual. Oh, okay. And okay. it re she really related to that, to like where she had, quote unquote, come from. Mm -hmm. And when the Catholic priest asked her, like, are you even Catholic? <laughs> and they yeah and then they kicked her out <laughs> she, she needs to start lying if you ask me <laughs> yes i am mind your business priest yeah because uh the priest the priest asked her parents if they were actually catholic and they were not they were protestant christians so they kicked her out right. um okay and then what um actually woke up her interest in ancient Egypt. Um, her parents went on a trip to the British Museum and they actually just couldn't find anyone to watch her that day. So they decided to take her. She was only four years old. So they take her and she's like, you know, typical four year old, like not interested in a museum. And so she's kind of just trailing behind and not really paying attention until they get to the Egyptian galleries in the British Museum. And then as soon as she sees the displays, like the statues, she goes and she says, these are my people. Mm. And she starts, she takes off her shoes and she starts kissing the feet Aww. of the statues. Yeah. And then she starts reprimanding oh. everybody that walks by oh. because she's like, how dare you have your shoes on in the presence of gods? Like, you're supposed to take your shoes off. And so, yeah, so yeah. she's, like, scolding people. Uh oh, let me guess. She gets kicked out. <laughs> I didn't say that she got kicked yeah. out, but I think her pa her parents were just kind of like, what the hell is going on? Her child, what's going <laughs> All right. Yeah. So she, is, so she, she didn't want to leave. And then she also saw um, a, a preserved mummy, and she's just uh, – just instantly connected with it and just stared at it. She had no idea what she was actually looking at, but she just, you know, was just really drawn. Um, so um, there was actually a, a photo of the temple of Seti, of Seti the first. And when she saw that picture, she says, there is my home. And then she started asking her parents, like, where are the gardens and the trees and, like, where everything else that she knew belonged to that temple. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, anyway, so after that, that basically woke up her obsession with Egyptian culture. Mm -hmm. And as she grew up, um, so when she was 10 years old, 
She was noticed by an Egyptologist named Wallace Budge of the British Museum, and he agreed to teach her hieroglyphics. Well, how and did this all come had, about? Just was she just being a normal ten-year-old, or what? No, she was so she was constantly seeking out information. Okay. So she was like she would go to the library okay. and check out books. Okay, yeah, um, and by, I am guessing that she probably went to the museum as often as she ah, could yes. and that's probably where you know yeah. where this uh egyptologist recognized her or you know kind of helped guide her more um so he he started uh to teach her how to read hieroglyphics and she picked up on everything really fast and when they asked her like why like how how do you get this so quickly and she's like because i've already known this i'm just remembering it Yep. So, yeah, so it was really cool. So, um, and then, but when she started to become a teenager, so when she was about 14 years old, she started talking about how she was experiencing nighttime visions of the Pharaoh Seti. Um, and, and she says that she, she would describe it as an expression of somebody in hell who has suddenly found a way out. Um, and so she had, so she had this the recurring dream where she and other Egyptian women and girls lay in a uh, on rush mats in a big room, and then an old man would carry a lamp to check to see if they were in their proper places. Um, and then in a subterranean chamber, a high priestess interrogated her and beat her when she refused to answer. She was having these uh, recurring dreams and these visions, though, of of this guy Seti. And her parents actually tried to commute her because they just, you know, they thought she was losing it. Yeah. But they actually took her in several times and then she was released because they're like, there's nothing wrong with her. Mm-hmm. But but she was talking about like how he would come in the middle of the night and undress her. And like, <laughs> these are like she was like 14, 15 years old. So mm-hmm. they were like, um, something's not right. Mm-hmm. So, OK. Eventually, what happened was uh, she went to the Plymouth Art School, and that's where she be- she actually began to collect Egyptian anti- antiquities. But when she was at this school, she became part of a theater group. And in the theater group, sh- she was in a, a play that was based on the story of Isis and Osiris, and she played the role of Isis. And when she was playing this role, she actually started to have... Uh, visions of her past oh, life yes, of her actual of she did yes yeah well, my legs are yeah. tingling i don't know why There's, <laughs> my legs the spirit's like yes this is a good story <laughs> <laughs> yeah so okay so then here's her actual story of like who she was and what what happened to her so she was um, so this is her past life. Okay. So she was born to a soldier and a vegetable seller. Her father was a soldier. Her mother was a vegetable seller. And they named her Ben Treshit. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. Ben Treshit. Ben Treshit. Okay. So meaning harp of joy. Oh, okay. And her... Her mother died when she was only two years old. And then because her father wasn't able to care for her, he took her to the temple. And in the temple, she was actually raised. She was taken in to be a um, high priestess of Isis. And she was supposed to be basically like a remain a virgin in honor of Isis as as a uh, priestess to Isis. So... Once um, she was there and she would perform in plays and she would and it's just funny how like the two lives kind of paralleled 
each other in that way. Um, so she would perform. And one day as she was in a, in a performance, there was a young king. They also, they also referred to him as a pharaoh, Pharaoh Seti, who was visiting the temple. And he took notice of her and they ended up having a sexual affair. Um, and then he would leave and then she would be found to be pregnant. Uh-oh. And she's supposed to be a virgin in... in, in exactly. In, uh, oh, the twist. plot twist. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. So when they found out that she was pregnant, she was interrogated by the high priestess of the temple. And, then, you know, that... <laughs> that that uh <laughs> But also, that was the vision she was having, those dreams oh, she was having of being oh, interrogated. Oh, interrogation. Right. And she refused to answer. Yeah. So you would yeah. beat her. Yes. Yeah, so they would they would beat her and she refused to answer. Yeah, and then eventually she did confess that her lover had been the Pharaoh Seti. Right. Um, but the problem is, is because um, so the actual, this crime, because she had committed her crime by doing this, would have been death. But she would have had to go through an actual trial. Like they had, like she would have to out her her actions and how she got pregnant and then that would obviously embarrass the pharaoh seti well fuck him he's the one that fucking started the whole thing don't uh, all right yeah exactly (laughs) but but she did she did eventually confess that the lover had been her king but in order to spare him embarrassment she committed suicide (gasps) oh this just pissed me off (laughs) yeah so, but she remained in love with him oh. and she was happy when his spirit joined hers between incarnations. So, so it was not all bad. It's a beautiful love story, kind of, sort of, but also he Kinda. completely skates, gets, gets off skates free. There's no consequences because he's just going around being a king. I'm going to stick my dick wherever I want. Typical story of a man in ancient history, right? Just like fucking Zeus. So she commits suicide. Yes, because so she commits suicide, and that's how she and that—that's how her, her life, life ends in that ends. Egyptian time. Uh-huh. All right, and then she's yep. reincarnated into this little girl, Dorothy. As Dorothy. Yep. Right. Yep. Okay. And yes. Right. So even <laughs> so, eventually, Dorothy would meet a man who was also Egyptian, um, and yeah, and they would get married, and she would gain citizenship as you know that would get her citizenship into egypt and they lived in cairo together uh, balanced karma <laughs> so much karma is being balanced there was the was the new was the husband the king no yeah. no he was uh let's see her husband was i think he just he worked in egyptology I no was he I the believe. king reincarnated oh i don't know uh, i don't I know they he- did would bet that he was well spoiler they did end up getting divorced well, so i don't know yeah, maybe all right okay you know for the yeah. sake of the fact that fact that we don't know let's just say oh my god she married the king reincarnated as an <laughs> she egyptian <married> she. <laughs> scholar dude <laughs> yeah so um so they they were married and they did have a child together and she did name her baby boy seti Aww. oh that's cute the, uh, yeah, after the Pharaoh city. So yeah, um, but unfortunately, all her talk of the past life unsettled her husband's family, and eventually their marriage fell apart. 
which kind of sucks. It's like, what you think? They probably just thought she was crazy. Because here's this white lady, you know, talking about Egypt and how she's lived there before. And the family is Egyptian. The husband yeah. is Egyptian. Yeah. So this white lady comes mm-hmm. in and she's like, I'm a cookie reincarnated, you know, Om Seti. And they're like, no, you must go. So the family had a lot of influence over this relationship. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, you know, probably they were all about tradition and all that. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So she did, she went to on to visit the pyramid of Giza and she would place offerings at the Sphinx. Mm -hmm. And because she loved it so much, she actually eventually went and she worked for the department of antiquities and that, that actually became her life's work. In 1952, that was the first time she visited um, visited the temple of Abydos, and that's that was the temple that she had her seen temple, as a little girl. Yeah. That's that was her temple where she had lived. That is a temple that Seti had built. Um, and she said that when she first walked in, she said, "As if I'd walked into a place where I'd lived before." Yes. Yeah, and so it was. It was. Um, they, so they tested her that the chief inspector of the Egyptian Department of Antiquities, he um, set a test, basically, and she claimed to have been able to locate certain scenes depicted on wall murals in pitch darkness. Mm-hmm. And then she marked the location of the garden that she recalled. And then when they later on, they dig, they, they did a dig and they dug up tree stumps. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and that just kind of story just just kept going as far as her pointing things out that they had she would have no idea Mm-mm. other people had no idea of until you know they went and did archaeological dig mm-hmm. and then they found the evidence of what she had already said wow and she would find places within the temple that they're like yes that's that's yeah. where this is yep she would have no way yep. of knowing that exactly mm-hmm. yeah right. yeah can't make um, this shit up so she so she worked with a, with a lot of the archaeological work in the temple and in other sites too. And eventually, she would work as a tour guide. Like, imagine this oh lady giving God. you tours. Yes, <laughs> that's yes. so cool. Yeah, um, and that's actually how she acquired the name that she's best known by, which is Om Seti, meaning Mother of Seti. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So when did she pass? Um, Do you know. Oh yeah, she did. She didn't pass until like 1991. Oh, cool! So she um, was alive for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's some cool stories of stuff that she did, like or that she talked about that um, that people had no idea happened. One of these was um, that although modern village women could have free, free birth control, they didn't want it. Um, so. She said, like, this was in, in their times. She said that if they missed one year without having a child, they'd go running around all over the place, even to the doctor. And if that doesn't work, they would try all sorts of these things. And so she would actually um, uh, tell them to go and approach the temple with um, of Isis um, or where there was an image of Isis and that she would actually help them get pregnant. Yeah. Is, are there, is there proof of that actually happening, that, of that women would do that and then they would get pregnant? Well, yeah. So people people would come specifically looking for her for a cure for impotence. And then she would carry out a ritual based on pyramid text. And it always worked. Always worked. Of course it did. 
Of course it did. Yep. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and then she said that the unusual baby feeding methods used in modern times in Egypt, such as breast milk being supplied via a bowl, um, echoed similar scenes from pharaonic times. Um, and then the sidelock of youth, which ancient Egyptian children wore, survived with some modern Egyptian peasant children um, who wore who were left with a tuft, a tuft of hair after the rest is shaved off during their first haircut. So she was just basically correlating ancient traditions with modern things that people oh. were doing. She was telling them where they were coming from. Yeah, yeah. like the origins. She's like, oh, the origin of yeah. that is this. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, like circumcision. Mm-hmm. She says that uh, the ancient Egyptian boys were circumcised, probably for reasons of hygiene. And then she believed that this was picked up by the Jews, which in turn passed it down to modern Muslims. And then many children's games and toys were also played by children in ancient Egypt. So it was cool. Just the, the stories mm-hmm. that she could tell and the, the knowledge that she knew. Um, okay. So this one, I think you'll like this one. So she observed the tree of extremity mentioned in the Quran with inscribed leaves. And she compared it with the ancient Egyptian temple scenes in which a god is shown inscribing the royal cartouche on leaves adorning the tree of life. Oh, I do love that one. I love all of that. The the source of, you know, modern day spiritual, you know, representations Mm -hmm. of those icons. Yay. So she also compared other modern rituals of death with ancient practices like keeping watch with the dead, um, which is it has kind of a variance in Islamic teachings. They, they, they do that. Um, perfuming the dead, boats in tombs, um, lights for the dead, the modern peasant practice of placing bread on the buyer of the dead the buyer which i don't know what yeah what i don't know what that is it's b b i e r a movable frame on which a coffin or a corpse is placed before burial or cremation yep it's a stand on a corpse so it's like a it's like a it's like a wagon like a flatbed wagon you put the coffin on Uh, oh why is it called a buyer it is called a buyer um it is it traces to the german root of the english word to bear giving the meaning to carry so it carries a coffin oh, a buyer carries a coffin okay okay here we go um also washing the clothes of the dead and she observed that in lower modern egypt old-fashioned people believe that the stars in the night sky represented the dead and notes how in the pyramid text the royal deceased were also thought to be stars it does we are told a lot that we are stardust so right yep that's that's proof right there proof it's all i need boom and it's truth so in 1972 she claimed to know the location of the undiscovered tomb of nefertiti and she was reluctant to give the precise details, but she did give rough location close to the tomb of Tutankhamun, uh, which ran counter to the opinion of every other scholar at the time. However, in 2015, they actually discovered that like what she had said was true. And actually now most most people theorize like that she was she's actually the most correct. She right. Right. I mean, this this, you know, this woman, Dorothy, she's like. She's like, I know, yep. I know, nobody, you know, but the family made her divorce her husband, so. She ended up remarrying, she though. She, she ended up, yeah. 
Oh, okay. And she she died in 1981. 1981. So if you'd like more information, more details on exactly the traditions that she that she connected, um, those are in that book. Very cool. But overall, her story is one of the best examples of reincarnation um, of all time. Yeah. So that's why I thought that her story was really cool and, and uh, would be nice to share with everyone. There are some really cool books out there, too. Um, the one that I thought was the most compelling was of children, children that were recalling past lives and they did the research. Oh yeah. The psychologist. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a couple books. Um, I'm not sure what the names are just off the top of my head, but yeah. And it was yeah. just yeah, psychologists, psychiatrists, all the, you know, children in therapy, that sort of thing. Um, that's a really compelling one. And then of course, you know, the best book on the subject is, you know, um, the many lives, many masters series by mm-hmm. Brian Weiss, who, I mean, he's got like seven or eight books out. Um, on this topic where, you know, it can actually be traced back with legitimate, you know, um, yes, stories and facts, like facts. Um, have you ever, is there a place that you're drawn to? Like she's drawn to a place or a culture that you're specifically drawn to? Um, yeah. And I feel like it's kind of changed over time. I remember when I was small, I really wanted to go to Jerusalem. Like I, I had this whole thing with like, well, my mom worked for the airline when I was little and I would tell her, I'm like, can we go, can we go see where Jesus was born? Like, can we go, can we go to, uh, and I would tell her all the time. She's like, yeah, when you're a teenager, I'll take you. And then by the time I was a teenager, she didn't work there anymore. So, (laughs) but yeah, that was my thing (laughs) when I was little. Like I really, I wanted to go to Jerusalem and I wanted to see where, where Jesus lived and I, I like that was very like interesting to me as a kid yeah My, what about you um well I've always been completely um, enthralled with Greece and you know Santorini it's mm. it's one of those bucket list ice places and I'm not sure yeah. why um but definitely Egypt definitely but the big yeah. the biggest one is um Central America Belize and it's the craziest thing yeah. I've heard this the word Belize in my head before it was even called Belize and then when uh. I when I flew in for the first time and the plane was getting ready to land so it tilted it, and then mm-hmm. um I was I had a window seat and I could see the canopy the canopy is literally the most amazing thing you've ever seen because it's nothing for as long as the as as long as the far as the eye can see is just green canopy. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, and wow. as soon as I saw it, my clear audience, I heard in my head, I'm yeah. home. And so mm-hmm. that was one of the very first and biggest instances of clear audience that I heard in my life. Uh, uh, but I knew that I was home. And then of course, afterwards I've had past lives that I've recalled living in the Mayan jungles and then having, you know, Mm -hmm. two or three different past lives of living in Central America. So it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely one of my favorites. Yeah. Favorite areas of the world. Yeah. And when I've had like glimpses of past lives, 
though? I it's mostly desert or being Native American uh, and living, being part of a tribe. Yeah, like that's yeah. that's most of yeah, most of my past lives have been in there. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, thank you for that. That was super fun. I love those kind of stories. Maybe we could do a You're series welcome. where we. Um, just talk about really cool reincarnation stories. Yep. And- yeah. If this was something you guys enjoyed, absolutely. Just we need your feedback as far as if you want to hear more of these, and we'll do them. Maybe we do a series of mm-hmm. these. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We want to. We want to hear from you guys. We get. You know, we know th- there are things that we want to talk about. You know, but also we want you guys to really enjoy what we're talking about. So mm-hmm. the yep. feedback is awesome. Yes. All right. You got something for us on the closing vibe today? You know, I do because this is something that pops up. It's popped up on the regular, especially lately, because so many mm-hmm. light workers and empaths and intuitives are being called forth, being called forward. Um, you know, they're coming into their powers. But I want to talk about holding space for your friends who are on a spiritual path just as you are, but that who might suffer from maybe that love and light toxicity, right? So I kind of want to break it down because the spiritual path awakening process, it happens in phases. And when you first awaken, you become woke. Um, You uh, just start to see things in a different light. You realize there's a different way of being. You have a different purpose. Um, everything is not as it is, as it, as it has seemed, right? Religion is simply an ideology. It's not a way of life. You know, you might yeah. be like, you know, God is an actual thing, but also it, it's God is more of a spiritual concept than it is a religious mm-hmm. concept. All right. So people go down different paths. So if you have a friend that you're really excited that you can connect and you can talk about all these things with, but that you start to feel like, wait a minute, I can't really connect with them because they believe this thing or they believe that thing or whatever. And I don't resonate with them. So that's where a lot of our friends or our relationships can start to like fade away or fall away because we just realize we're just Mm -hmm. on a different path. Um, where we don't resonate with them, which is okay, right? You know, I talk about the concept of convergence and divergence. Friends, people, paths, all of those things will converge and you feel like, oh, I've met my soul family or I met my people. But then as everybody's interest sort of goes off in different areas, which is absolutely meant to do based on your soul blueprint, then you can feel what's called a divergence and you can feel disconnected from those people. So I really want to talk about holding space for those friends who suffer from that divergence, which can look like spiritual bypassing, love and light toxicity. Those people that are like, I only want to think about and talk about and engage topics and people that are all love and light, right? Listen, love and light is great, but but as a method to spiritual awakening, it's only part of the story. And if you engage in it, I don't want to call it bullshit. But um, you are completely, you're doing what's called spiritual bypassing. Fairly yeah. and I talk about this yeah. all the time. Um, she talks about it in regard to shadow work. Um, you cannot ascend. You cannot awaken unless you address the dark. And the dark is all of those things that you don't like about yourself, that you question about yourself, that you wish you didn't do, say, uh, ways that you didn't react, that you wish you wouldn't react. There are coping mechanisms that you have 
developed over the years as a way of because of your trauma or you know your shadow yeah. whatever um, yeah. triggers triggers but it's really important not to invalidate the feelings of those who suffer from that love and light toxicity. Yes, I can sit here and call it bullshit. Okay, that's because I'm talking to everybody as a whole. But if I'm talking one-on-one to somebody, one of my clients, one of my friends, or even somebody that's just come to me and says, I just need to know how do I traverse this thing? I'm not mm-hmm. going to invalidate if I see or sense in them spiritual bypassing or love and light toxicity. I'm not going to invalidate their feelings because who's to say that they're not on the path where they will evolve out of that eventually. And they will, but that where they are right now is exactly where they need to be in order to gain the the information or the experience that they need, because maybe they have to go through this because they're going to then help others down the road through their own spiritual bypassing or, or love and light toxicity. We never fucking know, right? You don't know. So I just say, if you can hold space from a neutral space of non-judgment, wonderful. But if you can't let the divergence happen, let it happen gracefully, naturally. Um, Let it happen. Don't push against it don't fight and claw to save it because trust me you will come back together again Uh, it's convergence and divergence that happens throughout your entire you know life that you'll you'll separate from people let them go do their own journey and then come back and you'll come back even stronger so yeah that's just kind of what i wanted to touch on because there's a lot of people that are struggling with that and if you can't hold space for your friends um, from a neutral and non-judgmental space, when it comes to their spiritual journey, then just let it go, right? Because yeah. honestly, nobody needs a judgy asshole as a friend. <laughs> nobody <laughs> wants that. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Thank you. You're very welcome. Very welcome. Well, um, all of you lovely humans, this has been a blast. Um, you can find us on all the socials under Esoterics Podcast. And be sure to join our Facebook community. Um, you can find us on well on Facebook or Instagram. I don't know. That's kind of the place where you might hear firsthand about all the cool things that we're doing. I've been, I have been successful in doing more intuitive development tips. So I'm proud yeah. of myself there. Um, you know. People like to pull cards and all sorts of cool stuff. So join us. Join us all over the socials. Yes. It's a safe space to share. It is. And thank you all for inviting us into your life today. Stay mystical, magical, and ready to do it again next episode. Bye, guys. See you later.